lesson from the book of Malachi. Behold, I send my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, till they present right offerings to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in days of old and as in former years. Continuation of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, when it came time for the purification their purification according to the law of Moses. They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And inspired by the Spirit, he came into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to thy people Israel. The saving words of the gospel. Today we celebrate the feast of the purification of Mary, the presentation of the Lord. Uh, they are coterminous, and just as they are coterminous, also. The fourth mystery of the, the fourth joyful mystery of the Rosary, and the first of the sorrows of Mary. You all know that devotion of the, the sorrows of Mary. Well, this is the first of them, the prophecy of Simeon, whom we just heard about. The dialogue, of course, will continue uh, between uh, Mary and, and Simeon. And Simeon will say that, that the Lord is destined for the rise and fall of many, and that a sword would pierce her heart, and she would that take all these things and treasure them in her heart and ponder them. Well, what is going on here with the, the idea of the purification of Mary? Um, someone who is uh, preserved from every possible stain of sin, um, preserved uh, by a singular grace of God from, from attracting original sin, someone who by the singular grace of God had never committed an actual sin, why would one, such a one have to be purified? You know, similarly, why would our Lord have to be baptized? Or why would our Lord have to do anything in fulfillment of the law? Well, this is the point. They wanted to fulfill the law. They wanted to be obedient to the law. And besides this also, there's no... The, the idea of purification in this, in this case is not a moral point. It's a ritual point. It's an issue of ritual purity, not moral or spiritual purity. The idea being this, that after there were very all of the various covenants that God formed with the human race, 
uh, with especially with the people uh, of Israel, um, all through salvation history, those covenants would, would be violated. The Adamic covenant, the Noachic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, you know, the Mosaic covenant, and so forth. All these covenants would come to be broken. And every time there were, every time a covenant was broken, um, it called down a curse on the ones who broke it. That's one of the reasons why there's sacrifice involved. That's one of the reasons why in the establishment of a covenant, there's always a sacred meal, and there's always a um, there's always a, a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. And as the as each one of these covenants are violated, then the Lord gives more laws, and then a covenant is violated, and then more laws on top of that, and then another covenant, and then more laws on top of that, until finally we get to the the Deuteronomic covenant, and then all sorts of laws are piled up, especially after the the uh, the the infidelity of the people just before they cross into the promised land and they're in the in the plains of Moab and they intermingle with the pagans there and they start doing things that pagans do and um, terrible things uh, result um, then another another bunch of laws are piled on and you find you find this all through the book of Deuteronomy and in within Deuteronomy you find all the laws of ritual purity and so forth. And the laws of all ritual purity um, have to do with, I think, the essence of them. The theme that ties them all together is that the people become ritually impure. And this isn't a moral thing. It's a ritual issue for liturgy and the proper worship of God. Um, if they if people come into contact with anything that involves the loss of life um, or the the uh, so for example coming into contact with a corpse even though it is a proper thing to do and a good thing to do to bury the corpse it makes you ritually impure for a while and then you have to go and you have to do what the law says and there are all sorts of things that you have to do in order to become ritually pure again um, any, uh, uh, for example, women in childbirth, there's always a loss of blood. And in scripture says, the Lord says, life is in the blood. It's one of the reasons why they couldn't eat meat with blood in it, you see. So because there's a loss of blood and there's because of all these different, different things that one can do, or that one can, uh, just things in life that, that happen, um, that you can go through periods of being ritually impure. And so the law said, that was laid down by God, said that, that women after childbirth had to wait 40 days um, uh, for the birth of a son and twice as long for the birth of a, of a girl child. And um, so when uh, uh, Mary uh, gives birth to the Lord, um, she has to fulfill the law and, and wait the 40-day period. And then the Lord, the firstborn, is taken to the taken to the temple, and this is probably uh, hearkening back to the time in Egypt when the, uh, the firstborn of all of the, the firstborn were, sl were, were slain uh, by the angel um, at the time of the Passover. And um, so that, that hearkens back to that, probably to that. And anyway, I'm going on all, you know, this whole business of a ritual purity, because I think we have to understand the idea of the purification of, of the Blessed Virgin, and as well, you know, the idea of the, you know, our Lord being baptized by John, someone who didn't need baptism, um, 
turning the sock inside out. He is the one who made baptism holy rather than baptism making him holy. He is the source of, of holiness himself. Now there are a couple of other things in here. Some points I'll just make rapidly because um, I had that blessing of candles at the beginning and I don't want this to go too long. The Luke says that they, the, the law, it's interesting that the law for uh, purification and the presentation says that a lamb is to be presented. Or if they're poor, um, doves. And so the holy couple bring, they bring doves, which is a demonstration that they're, that they're living in a certain material poverty. They don't have money for a lamb. However, it's not as if the lamb was not brought to the temple, because the lamb of God was brought to the temple. Of course, in, our, in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the prophecy of Malachi here in the first lesson telling us that the Lord will suddenly come to his temple. And he is indeed come to his temple. Now you will remember that from the Babylonian, the time of the Babylonian uh, attack and so forth, the temple had, uh, you know, the, the temple, when the temple had been destroyed, the presence cloud of the Lord, the Shekinah, departed. And the glory cloud that was on the Ark of the Covenant, constant sign of the presence of God with his people. And it was after the destruction of the temple that the glory cloud, the glory cloud was gone. Well, now the presence of the God, the presence of God has returned to the temple. And um, so this uh, this great uh, song of joy bursts out of out of Simeon about how light is light has come light not just for israel but for the gentiles so he's more than the messiah he's more you know the, the messiah for the jews he's light also for the gentiles this is god himself who is coming to his temple now another point in here too is that that simeon when singing his song uh the canticle the nuc dimitis is what it's called in latin and it's and it's sung Every single night in the hour of Compline, the what's called night prayer, the last of the, 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 the canonical hours that religious and priests recite, it's in every single night. And Simeon addresses God as, what does he say in here in the translation? This is the RSV. Um, uh, yeah, here, not Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. Lord, let us say, let, well, usually when we have a word, have the word Lord, the word is Kyrios, and you know what Kyrios, or Kyrie eleison, right? Lord have mercy. But Simeon uses a different word here. He uses despota for Lord, despota, uh, despotes, he says. And then he describes himself as doulos, which is a slave. And so despota and doulos is, they, we get the word despot uh, in, in English from despota or despotes. So here we have an image of the man who has been almost like he's been chained to his earthly life and chained to the temple. And now he is being freed by his master. So the 
of course, um, um, he has the comfort of the coming of the Lord, and this is this has set him this has set him free. I just bring this up because sometimes you know when we when we turn to the original languages, we find interesting things, and which brings me to kind of a last thing. Oh, I can go on and on here. Gosh, I've got notes. Anyway, um, another thing too about what Simeon says to Mary. And I think I've brought this up in, in, in other of these live streams uh, before. <clears throat> Once again, going to the Greek, where he's, Simeon says to her, a sword will pierce your heart. Well, the, the, the word, the usual kind of word for, for sword um, is, not, is not used here in this passage. Um, the usual word for a sword, like the you know, just the gladius, the, the, it would be in Latin. Um, the two-edged sword of the word of God is called a makaria. And, um, but here the word that, you know, that's the usual word for, that we would find for sword. But here Simeon in Greek uses the word romphia. And a romphia isn't like just an ordinary sword, like we would, you know, picture, we know in our imaginations. A romphia was a curving blade that was on the end of a longish handle. So it was it was a it was a, a, a slashing weapon, uh, very often used on horseback, um, so that it could go down and, and through through armor. Um, on the ground, uh, it would be particularly uh, useful in two-handed slashing. Or going upward because of this curving blade and Romphia is used in a couple of different places in Scripture but particularly in Revelation um, it's the word Romphia is the kind of sword that um, comes out of the mouth of the Alpha and Omega that comes out of the son of the mouth of the Son of Man at whose feet John falls in, in the book of Revelation. The Romphia is what's carried by death on the pale horse in Revelation 6. And it's also the sword of the rider of the white horse, uh, known as Faithful and True, whose word is dripped in blood and, um, in Revelation 19. So here we have this, this image of this, and being introduced here into this, this horrible image of this Romphia that's going to pierce Mary's heart. And I think that part of the significance of it is that to pierce her heart, the blade would have to come from precisely where, up from underneath, where, where precisely where she carried the Lord before his birth. And now we're coming to the, the time of, the, of her ritual purification. I um I think it's a it's a it's an idea and an image that can be explored some more. But when we start to really drill into these things, the riches, the treasures of what we find in, in every practically every line of scripture begin to open themselves up. Uh, once we uh, once we spend a little time with them, uh, we've had a chance to repeat them and uh, meditate upon them. So anyway, this is the feast of the presentation of the Lord, remembering and and the purification of the Blessed Virgin Mary, remembering that every Marian feast is really in its essence a feast of the Lord. So let us give thanks to the Lord for all the good things that he has done for us, 
the fact that he came to his temple that he is truly the light for every person who has come into the light of the world and let us ask him on this let us ask also Mary on this on this day she who is now Queen of Heaven whose soul whose heart was was pierced at the foot of Calvary to intercede for her church in this time of great need Credo in unum Deum, Pater omnipotent and factorum celiatere, visibilium omnium et invisibilium, et in unum gloriam Iesum Christum in Deum unigenitum, et ex Pater natum ane omnia secula, Deum de Deo lumine lumine. Deum vero de Deum vero, genitum non factum, consubstantialem patri pecrem omnia facta sunt, qui propter nos hominis, et propter nos absolutum descendit de celis, et incarnatus est de spiritu sancto ex Maria Virgine, et homo factus est. Crucifixus et seam pro nobis, sub Pontio Pilato passus et sepulcus est, et resurrexit tertia die secundus scripturas, et ascendit in celum, zered et exer in patris, et iterum venturus est, cum gloria judicare vivos et mortos, cuius reini non erit finis, et in spiritum sanctum, dominum et vivificantem, quis patria filioque procedit, qui cum patria et filio simul arabatur et cum glorificatur, qui locutus est per profetas, et unam sanctam catholicam et apostolicam ecclesiam, Confidere una baptisma in remissione peccatorum, ed expecto resurrezione mortum orum, et vitam venturi secoli. Amen. Dominus subiscum. Oremus. Diffuse es grazie in labi istuis, proptere virixite Deus in eternum et in seculum seculi.